it's, it's a great privilege to open the Word of God and to study it, to meditate upon it. We're, we're in, uh, this is the 54th message on the book of Matthew. The more I study the Gospel of Matthew, the more I appreciate, first of all, Matthew the tax collector. And then I appreciate the God who called Matthew the tax collector to himself and the God who called George Klein and every one of you out there who is a believer to yourself. We're getting closer. We're getting closer to heaven. I don't know when the Lord's going to return, but the older that I become and walk with him, what a precious, precious anticipation of being with the living God. Let's look to him. Lord God in heaven above, we thank you for the Holy Scripture. You have not left us without a word from heaven. You have had the Gospels and writers, uh, Hebrew Scriptures, Greek Scriptures. You've given us translations in our, in our own tongue that we can read and we can think upon it. And so, Lord God, as we open the book this morning, we want to acknowledge our dependence upon you. We pray that prayer in Psalm 119, verse 18. Open my eyes, the eyes of my heart, that I might perceive, I might understand wondrous things out of your, your Torah, your law. We are strangers upon the earth. Do not hide your commandments from us. I don't know the heart of everyone out here this morning. You do. You know my own heart. You know the sins that so easily beset us. You know our weaknesses. You know our frailties. And so I pray, Lord, that you would work in the heart of each person this morning as you see fit for your glory. And we do pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. We're coming to Matthew chapter 12, and we are going to come to the only two Sabbath controversies set forth in the Gospel of Matthew, and they're back to back. And I think Matthew has placed them here in a, for a very specific reason. We have just finished one of the most memorable sections in all of Matthew, the section on the woes, be careful um, for hardening your heart, and then that gracious invitation, come to me, come to me, take my yoke upon you, learn from me, and it's all three, it's not just choose one, but all three, and I will give you rest. And the rest that we will see, I think why Matthew puts these Sabbath controversies here is because the heavy load that was placed upon the people by the religious leaders that were added on top of Scripture. So we're going to go back, if this seems a little strange, but I'm going to go back and, and look at the Mosaic Covenant and the Sabbath. 
and then we will see what the Bible has to say, what the Jewish leaders were saying, and then we'll come and we'll work through this text about walking through and the accusation against, his, against the, uh, the disciples. And what this really is, is a defense of Jesus, of his disciples. I can't think of a better person to have your back than Jesus. <laughs> you can't pull any wool over his eyes. He knows everything perfectly. But it's also kind of a two-edged sword. He knows his disciples, and so when they're right, he will defend them. But occasionally they're wrong, and he'll put them on the carpet and call them uh, out on an issue. So we have seen a rising opposition in the Gospel of Matthew. The basic message of uh, thus far is repent, believe in the good news, believe the kingdom of heaven is at hand, turn from him. We saw that set forth in the teaching in Matthew 5 through 7, and then we've turned to his works and watched how his works validate his message. Then we look to another discourse in Matthew 10. So now we're in, in the actions. Jesus is with his disciples, and he is out there interacting in the community. Think about how opposition has increased. I, I still reflect upon that, to have good friends who would, if I was a paralytic and couldn't walk, that would put me on a litter, and Jesus is teaching inside a house in Capernaum, and there's such a crowd around you can't get up, get in, and they haul me up to the roof, and they cut a hole through the dirt and the timbers, and, and, and they lower me down, and what would I be expecting if I was a paralytic? I, I want to be healed. And the first thing Jesus says is in order that you may know that the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins. That's why I said to you, your sins are forgiven. Take up, take up your pallet and go home. Now that man was thrilled. He went out the door, he went home, and the Pharisees sitting around. This man blasphemes. What kind of authority does he have? And then when he called Matthew the tax collector, it's so wondrous it happens uh, when we're called, particularly if, you're, if you haven't been a believer and you come to faith and trust in Jesus Christ later on, and you want to let your friends know. And so what did Matthew do? Well, he left his tax office and he called his fellow Telones, his tax collectors, come to a big banquet. Who else is going to come? They didn't like him. And the sinners came. And so who was the guest of honor? It was Jesus and his disciples. And what did the Pharisees look at it and say? We don't like it. We don't like it. You eat, you eat with sinners. His answer was, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. I didn't come to call the righteous, self-righteous in their own eyes, but sinners to repentance. And think about the opposition in Matthew 9 when they brought to him a mute man, demon-possessed, and Jesus cast out the demon, and the man could speak again, and 
You can't deny that miracle. And all the people said, well, we've never ever seen anything like this in Israel. And the Pharisees continue to harden their heart. Now, in light of the clear evidence, they say he cast out demons by the ruler of the demons. And Jesus has warned his disciples, John came, and they say, John has a demon. And the Son of Man came eating with sinners, and they say, he's a drunkard. He's a drunkard, and he associates with, with others. So the intensity has been increasing among the religious leaders, particularly the Pharisees and the scribes. Now, the Sadducees, if you've been sat in Sunday school, you know the little saying, why are the Sadducees sad? They don't believe in the resurrection. It's kind of a witty way of remembering. All oh, the Pharisees did. I mean, you talk about meticulous attention, particularly the first five books of Moses. I mean, they're going to tithe uh, every, you know, the cumin, every last thing. And they're very meticulous about the outside. But the whole Sermon on the Mount was about the inside. You, you pay attention to the external, but what about the heart? What about the way you think? You, th you, you got pride. You think about yourself more careful. So we come to this Sabbath controversy, and we'll do it in two weeks. Oh, boy. Most of it's going to be next week, so we'll have time for the Lord's table. But uh, to, to properly set this, we have to think, take yourself back to the Mosaic Covenant. We are not under the Mosaic Covenant today. We're on the New Covenant. So we're going to take us back. First of all, I want to look at what does the Bible have to say about Shabbat or the Sabbath? Uh, and then what did they add to it? Then we'll walk through briefly the controversy, and then we'll see how Jesus has the back of his disciples because this is really about a defense to them of his disciples and letting the Pharisees know you've got a heart problem here. You've got a heart problem. So that's where we're going in the text today. And it ends with this way, Son of Man, Lord of the Sabbath, because this would have sent them. I mean, they would have been the first couple. Have you not read? Have you not read? Well, of course they'd read. Jesus is saying, you read it, but you didn't get it. So he's going to drive them back to the Scriptures. But when he says the Son of Man is Lord, He's master of the Sabbath. This would have been outrageous to them. So uh, let's start with the Mosaic Covenant. Remember, the Mosaic Covenant was instituted at Mount Sinai. There they are. They finally have arrived. They've been, they've been liberated uh, from Egypt, and they arrived there. And Moses, they spent about a year there, and Moses received revelation from God. And this revelation is going to be all the way up to Mount Calvary. So we're here in a section that this, these regulations are important. Jesus never broke the law. He fulfilled all the law. So then uh, the, I'm, I'm going to some later passages to kind of uh, spell out the Sabbath. One of these is Ezekiel 20, 20. It says, keep my Sabbaths, which they weren't doing, holy. 
You keep them separate. You keep them like I told you to keep them, and they will be a sign between me and you that you may know that I am the Lord your God. If you look in the Reformation Study Bible, there's a little footnote it says in there that, that the Sabbath, and there's more than one. We're going to be looking at the, the Sabbath on uh, um, uh, the rest after six days the weekly Sabbath. There are other kind of Sabbaths. For example, I put one in here, uh, the annual day of atonement. It's on the seventh month on the tenth day. Well, it can't possibly be then on uh, the last day of the week. It's a Sabbath of solemn rest for you. So there were Sabbaths that weren't necessarily on the last day of the week. The important thing was rest. Uh, so we're going to go to Exodus chapter 20. Remember when they were getting close and they had manna down from heaven. That's when the first thing, you're, you're picking up for six days, but not on the seventh day. And we're starting to see that emphasis upon rest. So this is the fourth commandment, Exodus chapter 20. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. I mean, separate, apart. Well, how do you keep it holy? Six days you shall labor and do all your work but on the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord your God. On it you shall do no work. You, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. Why? Because in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, all that is in them, and he rested on the seventh day. And so he blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. So we see right there, it's reflecting back to creation and one of the things that they were to do to show that they were a distinct nation holy to God was they worked six days and they rested on the seventh. What were they doing? Baal or whoever didn't, Ashtaroth, they didn't, they didn't bring this universe into existence. God did. And he told us precisely how he, how he did it. So by their way of work, six days and pattern, one day of rest, they are reflecting that they belong as a nation to the true God. That's a reminder to them. And when they wouldn't keep that and went off, okay, we'd, we'd, no, we'd, you know, we'd, we don't belong to him. But it's a day of rest. Now, it, it's repeated in Deuteronomy chapter 5. Remember what happens? Okay, now we're just about on the eve of going into the promised land. And so the, uh, it's being repeated to them. Observe the Sabbath day. Keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. Seventh day of the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. Male, female, servant, rest. So the emphasis, again, in both of them is to rest from your labors. And here it's added, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and outstretched arm. That's why the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. So th at this point, you have another regulation or reason why to remember the Sabbath. You were slaves. You're slaves and these are just harsh slavery. And God has given you rest from that. He's brought you out. So there's another reason. And then 
There's a death penalty. A death penalty for not keeping it. Exodus 31, 14, You shall keep the Sabbath. Therefore, for it's holy for you, everyone who defiles it shall surely be put to death. Whoever does any work on it, that person shall be cut off from among his people. Exodus 35, 3, don't, don't even light a fire in any of your homes on the Sabbath day. You need to do the cooking beforehand. And then remember what happened in Numbers 15? They found a guy out there, and he was picking up sticks on the Sabbath, and they... They took them to Moses and said, what shall we do with them? And the Lord said to Moses, this man shall be put to death. The congregation stoned him to death with stones. We may look at that as being harsh, but the issue here is when you see that keep it holy, that, that's a command. That's a command. So when you break that, you are dishonoring God. You're disobeying him. And you're also not reflecting back that you know how you came into this universe. God created you. You know to whom you belong. So to go out and violate that was a serious offense. Now, Isaiah 58 is also, the, I think this is the last one I put on there. You must observe the Sabbath rather than doing anything you please on my holy day. You must call the Sabbath a delight. This was a gift from God. And treat the Lord's holy day with respect. You must treat it with respect by refraining from your normal activities, doing your own ways, and by refraining from your selfish pursuits, your own pleasure, and from making business deals. Then you'll delight yourself in the Lord. You see, a day of rest from God, a, a day of delight in the Lord. This is a gift from God. So I just summarized purposes of the fourth commandment. No work, a day of rest. Think of agrarian uh, economy. You're out there six days. You're growing crops. You're, you're laboring. Some of them, time they get out of bed and it's light, and you're doing that until the sun goes down. Um, so a day of rest was a gift from God. And again, the pattern of life, six to one, is a reminder of the Creator. You as a nation... You belong to Him. Your faith and obedience is to Him. And it's also a reminder of the harsh slavery in Egypt and the deliverance and the rest obtained by the Lord your God. You're, you, you give thanksgiving that you belong to Him. And Ezekiel 20, it's also an observable sign that clearly distinguishes Israel from all other nations. You go, well, that's a pretty long introduction just to come about picking grain on the Sabbath. But it is also important when we approach this to understand what they were under, under the old covenant. Sometimes you look at those regulations and go, why did God do all that to them? This is a gift from God. It's a gracious gift from God. Uh, so, well, now let me go to the Mishnah. Boy, I don't have time to read this stuff I picked up. This, this, this is a copy of it. It was originally written Hebrew. Fortunately, I got a copy translated into English. Um, uh, Shana means to repeat, to study by repetition. And see, I, I knew those Latin students. I could bring something in here. Repetitio mater studiorum, Joshua. What's it mean? Repetition is the mother of learning. That's what this thing is about, Mishnah. It's repetition. You learn by repetition. And 
it, it's divided into six sections. There's a Shabbat or Sabbath tractate. It's 21 pages in length. In other words, what we ju I just read from you the biblical injunctions, they expand that in 21 pages. But if you think that's something, the Talmud, which is an, came later than the Mishnah, um, discusses e each section of the Mishnah, and it's 806 pages on Shabbat, tells you what's forbidden, what's permitted on the sixth day of the week. The distance one can travel on a Sabbath day journey, uh, you know, you can go 1,200 yards and, and that's it. And uh, what, what the, all kind of things. Um, if your house catches on fire, you're not allowed to put it out. But if a Gentile comes along, he can put it out for you. Um, it, it's, it, it's, it's all kind of strange uh, things. That, and what the, what, what the Mishnah, this thing, reflects in Jewish thinking, they have two kind of laws. They would believe, okay... What, what we call the Old Testament or the Hebrew Scriptures. They're going to hold to that, particularly the first five books of Moses called Torah. But they also believe at Sinai that God gave oral revelation. And this is just as equal and just as important and authoritative as what we call the Hebrew Scriptures. And this stuff was passed down by mouth orally from generation to generation until finally it, it, it was written down uh, somewhere um, A.D. 2, or no, yes, uh, A.D. around 200. So it's going to reflect the kind of teaching that the religious leaders had at that, at that time. And even in here, um, Mishnah Hagigah, it, it means uh, things for festival offerings, the rules about, even, even in here it says, the rules about the Sabbath are as mountains hanging by a hair. For teaching of Scripture thereon is scanty and rules are many. You better believe the Scripture is scanty on it. And hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of rules, what you can do and what you can't do. All right, so let's go to the controversy then in Matthew chapter 12. Having this in our mind that there is, there are regulations, but this is a gift from God. This is a delight. The primary purpose is rest, and yes, you delight yourself on God on that day. Now, here they are. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. So this is the last day of the week. When does it start? Sun and runs till the following Evening, that's right. So he went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. Now, I would take it, if I'm reading this correctly, that they probably have already been to synagogue because that's a, coup, uh, a, a key practice that you would see even Saul having become Paul. What do they do? He goes in somewhere on the Sabbath, and where's the place he go to teach? He goes to the synagogue. So here's what they're going to do. They're going to bring out... The scroll of Moses. Remember, not every people don't have a copy of the Old Testament Hebrew Scripture, so they're going to bring it out. They're going to read it. People are going to hear it. They're going to memorize it, and then for a man, a Hebrew man, Orthodox man, he could stand up and say, "I'd like to comment on the Scriptures," and that was the practice of Jesus. Remember what he did at, at Nazareth. He said, "Today, this Scripture has been fulfilled in your ears." They went to throw him off 
off the cliff after uh, what he had to say. So here we are. He's going through these grain fields. His disciples are hungry, and they begin to pluck heads of grain and to eat. All right, let's talk about grain fields. I, I have to do this. I'm from Chicago. I didn't grow up with, you know, you farmers down here. You just go, we, we got it. We got it. So this is for guys like me who don't have it. So here's, here's the Sea of Galilee. They're going a, a, around there. And there's a wheat field near Mount Tabor. Some of us have been there. It's not quite ripe yet. And uh, there's one near Mount Gilboa. Now, what's a, what I find fascinating here is, remember, did they have fences in the Old Testament? No, they didn't. What did they use for markers? Piles of stone. So you're not supposed to violate and move your neighbor's markers. So here they are. They're probably walking along. And remember, when we come to the parable of the sower, often seed gets sown. So they're walking along, uh, something like this. And there's a good one that shows the heads of the grain. Uh, now, up at the top, you don't pull this stuff off and eat it like that. Luke will have, they're rubbing it in their hands. So when it's ripe, you take it, you pluck some off, you rub it in your hands, you, you get the, the whole off of there, and then you get the seed out of there, and that's what they were, they're eating. Um, there's a ripe grain field. Now, here's what the scriptures have to say. This is permitted in the Old Testament. When you come into your neighbor's vineyard, you may eat your fill of grapes at your pleasure, but you shall not put any in your container. When you come into your neighbor's standing ripe grain fields, you may pluck the heads, which they were doing, rubbing them, taking out the kernels with your hand. But you're not allowed to come in <laughs> with a sickle and, and clean out his field. And the reason for that is God was gracious to you, giving you crops. So if somebody is hungry and they're passing through, you're to allow them to do that. I remember when I was, I, I don't remember what, we're out there on operations. Remember, I was a medic with the Marines and we're out there and we're, we're somewhere, I don't know, it was Crete or whatever, and we're passing through, and all of a sudden we came to these, these vineyards, and this was, stuff was huge. Even I could fit underneath it, and it was huge, biggest grapes I've ever seen. And we're, we're out there. I, I, all you could see is, well, you know, we're out there. We're having our little fill. Probably we, I couldn't claim that we were on the Mosaic Covenant, and this is, this is uh, legal. But they're doing something like that. They're passing along and eat, eating the grain. And it's permitted by Torah. There's nothing wrong. Now, notice the condemnation. The Pharisees saw it. It's interesting how they pop up in the middle of grain field. I don't know where. <laughs> and they said, look. It's a, behold, pay attention to this. Jesus, do you see what your disciples are doing? They are desecrating, profaning the Sabbath. They are not allowed to do that. And, of course, the implication is, if, if that's your disciples, you're responsible for their behavior. What are you teaching those men to go around there and break Torah? So, this is the man to have your back. This is God himself. This is Jesus in the flesh. This is Lord of the Sabbath. Now watch how he answers them. Oh, the condemnation, Mishnah, 
uh, I don't have time to read it, but there it, it lists 40 save one. That's their way of saying 39. 39 classes of, of work, and one of them that you're not allowed to do on the Sabbath is reaping. In other words, they're defining what they're doing as reaping, and you are violating the Sabbath, and you are, you are dishonoring uh, God. Um, so, threefold answer from Jesus. He comes back to them with counter questions. Now, what do the Pharisees and the scribes pride themselves on? Understanding Scripture. And what's the first two responses Jesus gives to them? Have you not read? And he's going to go to another passage when somebody was hungry, and it's going to be King David. Now, he, he's the anointed king, but he hasn't been. He, Saul's still running around, and so David's uh, still fleeing the wrath of Saul, etc. And he's going to go to passage in 1 Samuel. And then he's going to give another passage, Have you not read? And they're sitting there, I, I can imagine, they're almost grinding their teeth at this point. And then when he says, the Son of Man, they know exactly who he's calling himself, the Son of Man, and he's the Lord of the Sabbath. Hey, I give the right understanding of Scripture here. I came to fulfill it, not to break it. And by the time he was done, believe me, they're off their charts in anger. And we'll see that in the next uh, uh, Shabbat uh, interaction. Look down in verse 14. But the Pharisees went out and conspired against him how to destroy him. They didn't answer the questions from Scripture, have you not read? They didn't answer the arguments. They just go, don't confuse us with Scripture and the facts. We don't like you, and we're going to put you to death. Be very careful about hardening your heart. Be very careful. So, let's look at the first one. I don't have time to turn the passage. I'll just have to summarize it. This is 1 Samuel 21. Remember David's, he's fleeing from Saul now. Saul's, you know, the jealousy thing. David, Saul's kills thousands. David is ten thousands. And, and the spirit of jealousy comes over Saul. So he, he's there uh, at, in, in the city with his wife, Michal, Michael. And uh, Saul sends out people to, to kill him. He has to flee. Then he goes... Uh, to to the prophet Samuel, and Saul hears he's, he's with the prophet Samuel. He sends out somebody to kill him. So he has to flee again. Now, Nob, that were the, the city that he flees to, is just a, about a couple of miles from Jerusalem, and this is the city of the priest. Remember, they're, they're, they're uh, uh, given land, and so he shows up by himself. And Ahimelech is the high priest. So he comes in, in uh, this will be the tabernacle. He comes in and he says to him, um, I need something to eat. I'm hungry. What do you have? And he says, well, I don't have anything except for... Now, sometimes lechem panim, lechem is bread or food, and panim, sometimes it's translated showbread. That doesn't help me. Uh, lehem panim means it's the bread of the presence. And you put it, there were to be 12 loaves. It gave them instructions, one for each of the tribes of Israel, and they, they in two stacks on there. And the reason, and they put out fresh bread 
every week. That's the responsibility of the priest to do that. And when, it, when you're putting out fresh bread, then the priest, but only the priest, are allowed to eat it. So he comes in, and uh, the, the whole thing there is, uh, and there's incense set on the table as well. It's, a, it's an offering of thanksgiving to God. And so he, uh, Ahimelech says, uh, well, I got, I got bread. Um, but th this was the stuff that was set there, but that only the priests are allowed to eat. He says, I'll tell you what. And, and David lies to him. Now, um, be very careful when you read the Bible about description and what is called prescription. Description is, it just tells us the narrative, what happens. We're not told to go out and do everything David did. You have to analyze it. Is that something God would have me to do? Um, we all would recognize Bathsheba incident is what something God wants you to do. And so, uh, but here, Jesus is going to a hungry person, and it's David before he is anointed, and Ahimelech says, and he says, I also got these men with me out there hidden. I'm on a secret mission from the king. And I don't know if he did it to protect Ahimelech in case Saul came after him and goes, how come he let David? I don't know. It doesn't tell us why he lied at that point. But he does have men out there now around him, and uh, so he's going to take some bread out uh, to them. And Ahimelech says, well, if the men uh, have, are ceremonially clean, there, there's an issue there about... Um, uh, a relationship with a woman, and David says, yes, they are all. So he gives them five loaves of bread, and uh, David leaves and takes it uh, to his men. Re remember who was there? This is a terrible incident. Yeah, Doeg the Edomite, because later on, he comes back. Not only does Ahimelech get murdered, but the whole city of Nob dies because of Saul's uh, you know, how come you didn't tell me? Anyway, the, the, the issue is here. When Jesus points his back, he says, okay, they ate bread. He gave it to them. In other words, life is more important than this ceremonial distinction. And he let them eat it. And the Pharisees have read that, and they didn't have any objection to it. But you've got an objection here when my disciples are walking through the grain fields and all they're doing is plucking a little bit of grain. Uh, you guys, you're wrong. I got, I, if they bite their fingers, they're doing this about then. And then he gives them, he gives them another example. He says, uh, goes back to Numbers 28, Leviticus 24. Don't have time to go there, you know. What, what do the priests do? They have to bake the bread, come in, set out new bread. They have to offer the sacrifices. He says, hey, uh, aren't they working? They're violating your kind of rules. Haven't you read this? And he's defending his disciples. He says, you guys are wrong. Can you answer me from Scripture? No, they did not. And then last of all, he says to them, I say to you, Jesus never broke any Sabbath reg regulation. He never broke anything properly understood. What he violated was their traditions that were overlaid upon Scripture and how they interpreted Scripture. And he says, uh, so there was a rebuke for failure to know and believe Scripture. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. 
and he says that he has messianic supremacy over the temple and the Sabbath. I'll pick up on this, Lord willing, next week, and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about how some of this applies to today, but I don't have time to do that this morning. Remember, we are under the Mosaic Covenant at this juncture. So I would say, beware of tradition imposed on Scripture. Happens all the time. That was the key issue at uh, the Reformation, and it's still today. We got traditions um, that are imposed. Do this, act like that, uh, and, and they're added to the Scripture. And beware of repeated rejection of truth. That's what the Pharisees were doing. And beware of external righteousness. This was the issue. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, unless your righteousness is greater than the scribes of the Pharisees, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Well, how do you get a, a, a righteousness greater than thee? Starts in the heart. Starts in the heart. And know what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So what do we do this morning when we come to the Lord's table that we're about to partake of together? Jesus came to call sinners to repentance. And if you have understood that, you have repented of your sin, you have believed in Jesus Christ, then when we come to what is called the Lord's table, we're doing three things. We're looking back at what he, he has done for us. Now we're not saying I'm self-righteous. We're recognizing we are bankrupt of merit, and the only merit we have is what Jesus Christ did on that cross. And we recognize we're not our own. We've been bought with a price. We recognize we belong to Him. We take the elements. We remind ourselves what He did. And I examine myself now in light of my present. Am I living a life that really reflects that I belong to God? I believe in Him. My heart is right before Him. And then finally, we're get, we look forward to the return of Jesus Christ. He's coming back. I don't know when He's coming back, but He said He's coming back. And it's a whole lot closer now than when he said it. So that's what we're going to do at the Lord's, Lord's table.